Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaki is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Gwilda Wiaki's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Science of Magic or endorsed in any manner by Gwilda Wiaki, Relmar McConnell Media Company, its affiliated networks, stations, or employees. Welcome to the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, a program dedicated to uncovering the unified nature of reality and humanity's ever-evolving place as truly galactic beings. For more information on the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, visit us online at www.thescienceofmagic.net. Hello again, dear friends, and welcome to the Science of Magic, a program combining the science and magic of today's leading topics to co-create new solutions and promote evolutionary thinking. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be exploring Not Mutually Exclusive. I don't know how you do it, my doctor friend exclaimed. He'd asked me what condition I thought the patient I'd referred to him was suffering from. It was a game we used to play. I'd send him a client of mine with a physical issue. He'd run the tests and then call me and ask what I thought the patient's disorder was before sharing his results. After years of these referrals, I was still batting 100%. At the same time, he was really good at discerning when a patient needed shamanic healing and never hesitated to send them to me. We've always had a unique friendship for a shaman and a medical doctor, for we realize that science and magic are not mutually exclusive. Medical schools used to try to beat or embarrass esoteric gifts out of their students. Doctors were taught it's unprofessional to follow their gut promptings and paranormal perceptions. This effectively cripples many a gifted practitioner by taking a very powerful diagnostic tool offline. Fortunately, the times are slowly changing. I'm currently a preceptor for the University of Colorado School of Medicine, where I actually teach medical doctors about the interface between shamanism and allopathic medicine. Unfortunately, the majority of medical professionals still have to keep their esoteric gifts and experience hidden and unused, to the great detriment of all concerned. How can we break this archaic deadlock where science and magic are seen as mutually exclusive? Our guest this hour has taken a bold step towards unveiling the magic in medicine. Dr. Scott Kobaba is an internist in private practice in Wheaton, Illinois. 
He graduated from University of Illinois College of Medicine with honors and did his residency at Rush Presbyterian St. Luke's Medical Center in Chicago and the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. He's been awarded membership in the Omega Alpha Omega Alpha Honor Medical Society and has been featured in Chicago Magazine as top doctor in internal medicine. Dr. Kobaba has also the author of a very profound book, Physicians Untold Stories. His website, physiciansuntoldstories.com. Dr. Kobaba, thanks for joining us on The Science of Magic. Thanks, Will. It's great to be here. Tell us, what are doctors taught about spiritual esoter- or esoteric experiences in school? Nothing. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, <laughs> that's, that's honest. I, I don't believe uh, I remember learning anything about uh, other than just uh, the hard science of medicine. And, you know, in and, a, prof- in a profession ahead. that deals so closely with the dying, why is the spiritual aspect of life virtually ignored? You know, I don't know. And, and that's one of the reasons I wrote my book, to uh, bring out that there are things beyond just the hard science of medicine. And I hope people and doctors uh, start to talk about it more. And, and uh, I know many doctors realize that, but, but no one talks about it. Very few talk about it. Well, can a physician actually lose their license if they step too far over the line in the sand between science and magic? It's pretty hard to lose a license, I think, uh, in today's world. You have to do something really bad, so probably not. But, you know, the, the doctors, I think, are all concerned about being criticized. You know, if someone, uh, if, if you go to a doctor and he said, I had a vision or a dream or something, uh, many doctors would, would feel that that patient would uh, think they're a little crazy and uh, would, would shun their practice. And that's, that's why I think many doctors don't talk about these things. Is you know where did that thought form come from? I mean, in ancient times, we've always dealt with dreams and and esoteric information and healing practices. You know, I don't know, and and it's an interesting uh, uh, misconception because after I wrote my book, uh, the doctors that are in the book have all none of them have been criticized that I'm aware of, and I haven't been at all. And so I, I it's a I think it's a misconception, and I hope people begin to realize that more and more that, you know, it's okay to talk about spiritual things uh, in medicine. It's okay to be a scientist and also have a spiritual side also. I would think, and we're just about to run out of time in this segment, but I would think that it would actually be more more uh, reassuring for your patients that you're human as well. You know, I think it is. And I think the doctors, uh, after this book came out, have realized that. And I've realized that, too. I was still a little anxious about uh, sharing some of these uh, stories and thoughts. Well, we're going to have to pick up with the stories on the other side of a commercial break. Dr. Kobaba and I will return shortly, so don't you go away. You're listening to The Science of Magic. Our current episodes are aired daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net. In service to our listeners, prior innovative episodes can be accessed free of charge on our website, thescienceofmagic.net. The Science of Magic is proud to be produced by Realmore McConnell Media Company, Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. 
I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Hello, I'm Pete Marsh. With my daughter Justina, we will be presenting the new radio show, Too Good to Be True. If something seems too good to be true, it usually is. But with the help of Justina's amazing gifts, we're going to gain insight into questions that don't yet have complete answers. Have you wondered who built Stonehenge and for what reason? Why are crop circles found in the same region as Stonehenge and elsewhere? Are crop circles a hoax or are they created with technologies that we have little knowledge of? Who built the pyramids in Egypt and also in other countries? How and why were they built? Was the Titanic switched with the Britannic as part of a gigantic insurance fraud or for more insidious reasons? What caused the Tunguska event when trees were flattened over an 800 square mile area in Siberia? Will the new insights be too good to be true? Well, that will depend on what you are prepared to believe. Please join us as we start on this journey together. For more information on Too Good To Be True, visit www.xzbn.net. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an 8-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500 plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic. We're dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness, and I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is Dr. Scott Kobaba, an internist in private practice and the author of Physicians Untold Stories. His website, physiciansuntoldstories.com. We were just getting into how there's kind of like this myth that uh, people would not respect or trust a physician that also had a spiritual side, and, and what your experience has been since you've written your book. Would you go on with that, please? Yes, you know, uh, it, it was very interesting. We had our launch in September for the book, and most of the doctors showed up at the launch, and uh, they were incredibly well-received. Uh, everyone thought that, that they were courageous, actually, to come out and, and tell these amazing stories. And I had one doctor, every doctor in the, in, in the book uh, has agreed to, to have their name appear uh, with their story, except for one. And after our launch and the notoriety that all the doctors got from from coming out and, and sharing these stories, the other the one doctor that was anonymous said, "I don't want to be anonymous anymore." <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's already in print. <laughs> I, I want to tell everyone who I am, so I can share in some of the glory of of uh, of, of getting this this uh, this out. And I think, uh, you know, I th I'd like to start a movement, uh, a movement that that uh, encourages spirituality and medicine, encourages doctors to. Uh, to share some of these experiences and, and and be able to talk with patients and have patients feel comfortable talking with doctors about the spiritual things. That's very rare in my practice, in any practice, I think, in conventional medicine, that patients would actually want it or would actually dare, I, I quote, dare, uh, share their experiences with, with their doctor. Yeah, you know, the, the I, I've had the good fortune of being in the mecca of alternative medicine in Boulder, Colorado, mm -hmm. um, for quite some time, and working with the doctors there. And that's really where a lot of this kind of thing started, in that 
they were starting to bridge that, that the people, the people were really sought out, doctors were really sought out, that were willing to see the whole person, not just the whole body, but the whole spiritual person, too. I think it's so needed. I think it is, too. And I think it's great that, that people are beginning to do that. And, you know, I, I think when I talk to people, and I love to tell patients my stories, and I'm always getting behind in the office because I'm, <laughs> I'm sharing these crazy stories with all my patients. And um, uh, it's it's fascinating to find out when, when you tell a person a story like this, I've discovered that virtually every individual or every family has a story that is a truly amazing or miraculous story, and you've probably run across that in your in your work too. That everyone has had stories like this, and they are th- very thankful that they can actually bring out that story and tell someone, and not feel bad about telling that story. So I think I think that's why this has gained so much traction, and that is because everyone has experienced something unusual that they just can't explain scientifically. And that isn't met anywhere if you can't talk about it. What what inspired you to bring this information forward? I started to have a few unusual experiences myself. And probably the one, there's always a tipping point. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a busy doc. I don't have time to write a book. Uh, I've got seven kids. I'm not sure where they all came from, but I've got seven kids. <laughs> and, uh, well, I can tell you if you want me to, but let's go on. <laughs> We've got a couple adopted ones, too, somewhere in the line. I'm not <laughs> sure which ones anymore. Uh, and... Uh, so I, I didn't really intend to write a book, but I started to have a few experiences. And when the tipping point, I think, was when uh, Dave Mulkel, who's an orthopedic surgeon, very respected, very conservative kind of individual, very caring, uh, ran up to me literally on the floor of the hospital. And he grabbed me by the arm and said, Scott, I've got to tell you this amazing story. And I said, well, go ahead. And he said, well, I can't tell it to you here. Someone might hear me. And I, said, <laughs> I said, OK, let's go into an empty patient room. We closed. He closed the door. And he said, I want to tell you about, you know, our mutual patient, Mary, who had was scheduled for uh, ankle surgery. He's an orthopedic uh, surgeon, does all ankle work. And uh, she arrested on the table when they gave her the uh, IV antibiotic and she was flatlined. Mm. No pulse, no respirations, no response to pain. She was basically dead. Mm. They started CPR. Everyone from the rooms around the operating room where they were at uh, rushed in and started to help out. And one of the one of the techs that uh, had un- unusually red hair underneath his operating room cap started to do CPR initially. He wasn't doing it adequately enough, and Dr. Mokel asked him to step aside. And after a couple of requests, he didn't step aside. And so Dr. Mokel, who's in charge of the code, and you can't be polite when it's life and death situation, actually literally pushed him away. He stumbled away, and Dr. Mokel started to do CPR. They gave her some adrenaline and a few other drugs, and she came around again, but not to consciousness. She woke up the next day. And after a couple of days of cardiology testing and so forth, it was determined that it was just the antibiotic, and she was ready to go home. So Dr. Mokel walked in the room to tell her about all the things he wanted to have her do with her ankle after you know she was going home. And she said uh, she interrupted him and said, thank you for saving my life. And he said, well, you know, he's a very humble guy. And he said, it was just a team effort. Everyone pitched in, the cardiologist, myself. And she said, no, no, I saw you push that guy with the red hair aside. And I saw you take over the CPR. And I saw that that's when I started to come back. And by that point, he got a little weak in the knees and sat (laughs) sat down. Didn't quite know what to say, but he's going through in, in his mind, how can I explain this scientifically? How can I explain this scientifically? How can I make this go away? <laughs> yes. How can, how can I make this into something that I can believe? And so after a, a few minutes of her telling him all the minutia of what happened in the room, how he paged me because he wanted me to come and help with the code, but I wasn't in the hospital, how he kept looking at the door, hoping that I would come in. How um, you know each individual, what they performed and what they did in the code and so forth. He was just uh, amazed and, and just couldn't believe it. And he said, "Well, what, how did how did you know that all this happened?" And she said, "When I arrested, I rose up to the top of the ceiling, uh, to the top of the room, to, at the ceiling, and I watched everything that was happening. And then while I was there, my my grandmother, who had been dead for a number of years, came to me." And uh, told me that it wasn't my time to go, that if I was a good and kind person, that she would save a place for me, a special place for me in heaven. And then I came, then, you know, the, when the code progressed and I, I came back, I, I went back into my body and everything disappeared. And Dr. Mokel, again, is just, you know, wondering how the heck he can explain everything like this. And he had no explanation at all. And it was interesting that, you know, Mary was was not the nicest person in the world before her surgery. You know, you have some people that you love and some people that you kind of dread when they come in the uh, in the examining room because you know it's going to be a, a you're going to be blamed for something and there's not <laughs> it's not a nice situation. 
And after her code, uh, after the, the talk with her grandmother, uh, she was the nicest person I've ever met. She was kind and considerate. She had a widowed father that she took care of. And it was uh, it was like uh, Scrooge in the Christmas Carol. Uh, she was a totally different person. So it was an interesting experience. And after Dr. Mokul told me that story, I began to think, you know, I had a couple unusual experiences myself. And I was thinking, I wonder if other doctors have experiences like that, too. And so I started to ask. And I, I would go up to doctors in the doctor's lounge, which is a wonderful place to get coffee and donuts and all the wonderful things that doctors like to eat. <laughs> and uh, I'd ask, you know, have you had any experiences that you can't explain scientifically? And I was just blown away. There were so many doctors that had experiences that they they never talk about. And doctors don't talk about this stuff. They talk about gallbladder surgeries and their potassium levels and the patient that they saw last week. But none of this, none of this kind of stuff. And so uh, I was amazed that they, they actually let me uh, publish most of the stories. And my criteria for admission, I had I, I heard I talked to probably maybe 200 doctors or so, and I, I got all kinds of stories. But the ones I included in the book are the ones that either gave me goosebumps or made me tear up with emotion. Oh, I'm so glad you said that because when I was reading your book, mm-hmm. I was goosebumping all over. And it's like, I don't, I don't ignore that when that starts to happen. Yeah. So it's the same response. Why do you think that is? You know, uh, I've thought about that for a while, and I think as you, I, the, the, the theme of the book is there's something else out there, uh, <laughs> and, and most of the doctors call it God. I don't care what you call it. There's some other. There's a force that's higher than us that looks out for us and, and loves us, and I think as you get closer to that force, as you get closer to that God, you get strange sensations. You get goosebumps. You tear up, and uh, I think that's I think that's why. Wow. It's just amazing. You know, I'm goosebumping as we're talking. And like I said, I don't do it all that often. It's pretty bizarre. (laughs) Uh, You know, another thing that you brought up um, that I I wonder about, it seems like, you know, with my degree in psychology, you you look at um, people as they translate information. And information can be so out of their belief system that they just don't take it in. Have you seen some of that going on with this? Um. A little bit, but you know some of the, some of the experiences that the doctors have had, even though they've been bizarre uh, and strange, they generally are so moving to the doctors that they believe them. They may not tell other other people, but they believe them, and they can they are life life changing and, they and are, they? faith changing. And I've had many doctors say to me, you know, after this experience, if you don't believe in something higher than than us. Uh, you, you won't you won't ever believe in it. And so I think most of them have had such moving experiences that they do believe in these experiences. Wow. Uh, how, how have you personally reconciled the spiritual aspect with your training? Um, you know, I, I I believe that there's there's a lot of benefit to, to you know, conventional medicine, to medications, to uh, to, you know, the the, the the traditional healing art. But I also believe that there's something else uh, out there that is responsible and helps us uh, with our healing. And um, so uh, and I think doctors get uh, premonitions or little hints or things like that. And when my, my partner, for example, uh, will say to me, I had this strange little voice in the back of my head. I had and I, I've learned to listen to that little voice because it never, never leads me astray. Mm-hmm. And it's not to do crazy things. It's, you know, it's sometimes uh, this person needs a stress test and he couldn't get that out of his mind. And, and invariably, uh, if he does the stress test, the person has uh, end stage coronary disease and, and he saved the person's life because they otherwise would have gone to a major surgery uh, and probably had a heart attack. So so um, uh, I, I use uh, this spiritual side, I think, uh, uh, occasionally. And, and I think as we... Uh, listen to that that little voice more and more. I think we we even begin to count on it and and rely on on us getting some help from the other side. So, in your book, there's stories of people that have um, gotten information on an existing condition. Uh, has has some of it also been precognitive, like something that was about to come down the pike but wasn't existing yet? Yes. Yeah. Uh, we've had a number of experiences from doctors uh, uh, and a number of ways to tell the doctors about those experiences. One, for example, was a, a physician, one of my good friends, uh, Rich Dorgensen, who's a uh, general surgeon, who had a dream about a, a friend of his who was an appellate judge. 
he dreamed that he saw him dead in the coffin in a funeral home. And it was a very, very moving dream. And most of the time when you have dreams, you wake up in the morning, you think about the dream for a second or two, and then it's gone out of your head. But this one stayed with him. He just couldn't get this out of his head. And, and he was talking to someone a few months before that about uh, how you really uh, should tell people what you, you know, if you dream about them, you should tell them. And so he, he called up this, this judge uh, that evening and said, Judge, I, I want to tell you, I, I had a dream that you were dead. And <laughs> the judge naturally started to laugh, you know, trying to lighten up the whole situation. And, and Dr. Jorgensen said, you know, at least you can do is just get a physical for me. Just, you know, go see your doctor, get checked out. It'll make me happy because this dream is so vivid. I just want you to make sure, I want to make sure you're safe. So he did. He got a complete physical. The internist told him he was perfectly healthy. Don't listen to this crazy surgeon because he didn't know what he was talking about. And Rich felt kind of felt bad. But, you know, his underlying feeling was was more, he got that sick feeling again when, when, the, when the judge told him this. And he said, you know, I still believe that there's something that's going to happen to you. Could you see my cardiologist? And so he said, oh, do I have to? And, and, and Dr. Jorgensen went on a limb and said, yeah, you really have to. Uh, it would make me uh, happy. So... He saw his cardiologist. They did a stress test. He failed we're it badly. Gonna, we're going to have to leave this as a cliffhanger and pick <laughs> okay. up on the other side. All so right. it's time for another short pause. Dr. Kobaba and I will return to our discussion on the other side of this break, so don't you go away. We're coming to you through the Exxon Broadcast Network. Don't miss the other fine shows and hosts on xzbn.net, and there's a gang of them. This is The Science of Magic, thescienceofmagic.net. are our personal gateways into infinite wisdom. Don't miss Shamanic Counselor and Indigenously Trained Dream Decoder Sandra Corcoran's inspiring book, Shamanic Awakening Between the Dark and the Daylight. This remarkable work chronicles Sandra's 35 years of experience with diverse wisdom keepers and her initiations throughout the Americas and across the British Isles, Turkey, Greece, and Egypt. Sandy's knowledge of symbology, psychology, and myth influenced her dream blog and workshops. Sandy offers private tarot readings, international journeys, a meditative CD, as well as her book, Shamanic Awakening, to encourage you as you navigate this earthwalk, creating a deeper connection to yourself and all that is. Find this and more at Sandy's website, StarwalkerVisions.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology Science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today, Know the Name, Know the Person, or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. 
Hello, I'm Justina Marsh, and with my dad, Pete, we are going to present a new show called Too Good to Be True. Together, we are aiming to discover more truths about this world and beyond. Do you have unanswered questions about the world? Do you ever wonder about aliens, conspiracy theories, or the universe? There are many shows discussing subjects such as pyramids or UFOs, but we want to relay this information based on our own research, including from spiritual means. Hopefully, listeners will be helped with their own beliefs and will appreciate the psychic insights that add to the previous research and information. We both look forward to sharing this insight and beginning this journey with our listeners. Visit xzbn.net for more information about when to listen. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, a place where magic and science come together to promote enlightenment. I'm your host, Golda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is Dr. Scott Koboba, an internist in private practice and the author of Physicians Untold Stories. His website, physiciansuntoldstories.com. Now, we just left this last one on a cliff. The, the uh, judge, <laughs> I'm so anxious to hear the rest, <laughs> the, the, the judge uh, came, out, came with a clean bill of health, and then your doctor friend pushed him further, Yes. Yes, he had a dream about him, and he decided that he needed to have some uh, a part, of, at least a good physical. And uh, when he did, it was cleared. Uh, and then the, Dr. Jorgensen again uh, uh, said, "You know, I, I this dream is so vivid. I, I'd like you to see my cardiologist." He did. He had a stress test, which was uh, he failed it badly. Entered the hospital for an angiogram. He had what's called a widowmaker, which is a main left main coronary artery lesion, which carries a life expectancy of about three months generally. Oh wow. And, plus other lesions that uh, were too numerous to mention. And so they operated on him the next day, did a major bypass surgery, multiple bypass surgery, because they were afraid to let him go longer than even a day because they were worried that he might arrest and die uh, while they were just watching him even in the hospital. So uh, Dr. Jorgensen naturally felt pretty good about the whole thing, and, and uh, the, ju- the judge recovered uneventfully, decided after that to retire, moved to Florida, where he uh, was a host for Dr. Jorgensen's golf game multiple times over the years. Oh. So, it's just amazing, isn't it? You know how now we we just talked about how we can get information through dreams. Isn't there some challenge in being able to interpret it? Is it allegorical or is this something literal? You know, I wish we had more training in this in the medical field, don't you? I, I do too. I, and I, I I think you know the work that you're doing, especially at the University of Colorado, and uh, some of the stuff that I'm doing and others, uh, I think will come together, and I think we're, we'll see more and more of, of training of doctors and health professionals in. Uh, in the field of, of um, uh, alternative medicine. It is amazing. I've, I've got a class I teach. It's called uh, Shamanism for Practitioners of the Healing Arts, and I've been teaching it for years. And it just makes so much sense, you know, that because this information comes through, but how do we make sense of it? You know, does it come through in words and pictures and allegories? And it's different for every individual, don't you think? It's different for every individual. It's different for every single circumstance. And the stories that I included in my book were were just story. You know, again, I told you that if if it you know moved me emotionally, I, I included it in the book. So there's a whole host of stories, and some some are dreams, some are prayers. Uh, there's a there's a, a story about uh, Dr. Steve Heim, for example, who's an orthopedic surgeon again, and he was skiing in Colorado, and and uh, he, uh, he they uh, got, when they got up to the top of the mountain, he and his wife and his wife's sister uh, experienced a sudden blizzard. The temperature dropped precipitously. The snow started to come down. The wind was blowing like crazy. They had to ski down this unknown mountain. And they started to ski down. They came to a grove of trees right in the middle of their path, and they had to go to the right or the left. Steve went to the right and expected the girls were right with him, and they weren't. They went to the left. And when he discovered that, he started to ski through the trees. He's a very expert skier. There's five feet of powder snow, and he was skiing through the trees. And while he was doing that, he suddenly had this strange experience that he had was being called upon. Everything became quiet. Even though the wind was blowing and the snow was coming down, everything became very, very silent. He could hear himself breathe. He could hear the snow underneath his skis. And he had this feeling of overwhelming dread, like there was something of, of, that he was being called upon to do that had life and death implications. So he stopped skiing. He had no idea why he was doing that. He knew the girls were waiting for him on the other side of the patch of trees, but he just stopped there and took off his skis and didn't know what to do. 
stood there for a few seconds and then decided to climb up the mountain in the opposite direction from where the girls were waiting for him. And he's climbing and walking and climbing and walking again. Everything's quiet around him, despite the snow and the wind and everything else. It was a, it was an eerie sensation. He came to a large pine tree, and, and underneath each pine tree is a thing called a tree well, where the snow comes down to the base of the, to the yeah. trunk of the tree. Lethal. Yeah. Yes, yes. And uh, he stood there for a second, not knowing what he was doing, and then he looked down uh, into the well, and then he knew why he was there. Under the tree was a body covered with snow. Uh, he brushed off the head because Steve is a trauma surgeon, so he knew exactly what to do. What wonderful uh, circumstance, what coincidence, like in parentheses coincidence, that a trauma surgeon would be there taking care of a trauma case in the middle of the mountain. And he brushed off the snow off his, off his face. He looked gray. He didn't look like he was breathing, so Dr. Heim thought he was dead. But he's, again, a trauma surgeon, so he reached down, felt his carotid artery in his neck, and he had a pulse. It was a very thready pulse. He knew he was shocky and hypothermic. So he went into trauma mode. He brushed the snow off, covered him with his jacket, started yelling for help. One of the last skiers down the mountain heard his cries for help, came to his side and said, what can I do? And he said, call the ski patrol as soon as you can get to a phone. So the fellow skied down the mountain. About 20 minutes later, the ski patrol came up with a snowmobile and a gurney, loaded this unconscious hypothermic skier onto the gurney, took him down to the lodge where they had an ambulance waiting and took him off to the hospital. By this point, Dr. Heim was shivering with cold and also adrenaline. And, I can uh, imagine, yeah. Kept his jackets back on, and, and the girls were actually still waiting for him. They skied down the mountain. The next day, he called the hospital just to inquire about, you know, if the fellow died or if he lived or whatever. And uh, the word was that he was perfectly fine. He lived. Uh, this, the, the fractured leg that Steve had splinted in the field with the underclothes and uh, tree branch uh, was a perfect splint <laughs> and a perfect <laughs> The orthopedic surgeons were pleased with that. And so uh, when Steve told me the story, he said, you know, that day I realized there's something else out there. He's not a religious person. He doesn't belong to any organized religion. But he said, I know that there's some there's a God up there that looks out for us and, and was looking out for this individual. And that's the only way I can explain it. Wow. That's just <laughs> these stories are just so amazing. Uh, uh, have any of your doctors that you worked with or shared stories of making contact with pa- their patients or people that have already crossed? Yes. Um, and there's a number of stories of, of doctors or, or patients that uh, uh, have been influenced by, by someone that has, has died. I think one of my favorite ones is uh, Jack Heitzler, who is a, North, who's a uh, obstetrician. Jack delivered two of our babies, uh, and, and our children are still uh, uh, alert and awake and walking, and uh, uh, they're healthy. Uh, and Jack uh, was involved with the uh, delivery of his wife. She uh, uh, delivered their, was delivering their fifth child. And during the delivery, uh, she uh, ran into some problems. And her grandmother, Grandma O'Hanlon, stepped in, uh, and with two obstetricians there, Grandma O'Hanlon, the midwife, actually saved uh, uh, Jack Heitzler's wife, whose name was Joan, while she was wow. delivering the baby. And this, the circumstance is that Grandma O'Hanlon uh, grew up in, in Ireland, uh, was a spiritual leader for the family. She was always kind to those around her. She did uh, midwifery in the Chicagoland area, and uh, whenever a person couldn't pay for her services, she did did it for free. She helped people in the in the slums of Chicago, and, and uh, when she became older, she couldn't uh, deliver babies anymore, and she started to live with uh, Joan, uh, Joan Heitzler's uh, mother, and Joan. And uh, Joan always would say, if I could make it to Grandma O'Hanlon's lap, if I was in trouble, I know I'd be safe. <laughs> so they, the uh, Grandma O'Hanlon and Joan had an incredibly loving relationship uh, beyond what you'd normally expect. So when Joan was delivering the baby, the baby came out fine. But afterwards, she experienced, experienced a great deal of pain. So they were going to give her a drug called Trilene, which is an anesthetic that goes over your mouth and it's, uh, it causes complete unconsciousness. So as they were about to administer the trilene, that's uh, Grandma Helen stepped into the room and, and stood at the foot of the bed, her typical sweater vest and uh, polka dot dress and old lady shoes and hair up in a bun. And she shook her head, don't do that, don't do this, Joan. So Joan pushed the trilene away. Well, no one realized and no one took the history that Joan had eaten a very large meal just before the delivery. And within a minute of pushing the trilene mask away, which would have put her into a deep sleep, she vomited the entire meal. Had she had the mask on and been unconscious, it would have been very serious. It would have probably mm-hmm. caused inspiration pneumonia, and she sometimes people die from that. 
Wow. So Joan, Joan said uh, her words were that gra- she made it to Grandma Hanlon's lap one last time. <laughs> their, love, their love overcoming uh, time and all eternity because Grandma Hanlon had died 22 years before. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's, that's just an amazing story. That's an amazing story. It's one of my favorites. And, oh. uh, have, so. have, the, have the doctors been able to substantiate some of the information they get from the other side? Um, I'm just trying to think of uh, how they can substantiate that. I don't know. Um, there's a lot of literature. Uh, Fred Bolhoffer is one of the ER docs that had an experience uh, with with a patient that had some some contact with the other side. Uh, the patient arrested uh, with a heart attack and and uh, kept seeing his uh, his uh, father and his ex-wife uh, when he arrested each time he arrested standing there waiting for him. And um, Fred tells me that. Uh, the literature and the medical literature is full of those kinds of stories where these uh, the, the um, father and the ex-wife were, were dead and the individual that had arrested uh, kept thinking that they were waiting for him to take him uh, back to, to heaven or wherever he was going. But uh, it's hard to substantiate those stories, but they're all over the medical literature. More well, you more. know. Yeah, and the one and the one you told about the um, Mary being able to tell exactly what went on in the room. Yeah, that was, just... that was unusual. That was bizarre. <laughs> no wonder the doctor was a little concerned when he got a hold of you. you know, he make, was make he sense. was shaken. Yeah, and, you know, I asked him if who he told the story to, and he said no one. Uh, he just his his wife, and that's it. He did, and, and he was you know even a little anxious to tell me, and uh, that he let me publish it is really amazing, also. Scott, why do you, what do you think draws uh, the stories to you um, when people are afraid to tell them normally? You know, I thought about that a lot, and um, I've been around for a long time. I've been in private practice here, and the docs know me. I've been here for 35 years, and I think they, they trust me. And um, I think I, one of the things I discovered, I discovered a lot about doctors because, again, doctors don't talk about these deep spiritual things ever. Mm-hmm. And in talking to them, I learned a lot about what makes doctors tick. And, and one of the things I learned, which was really kind of uh, enlightening, was that, and I, I call them this this uh, phrase in, in the book a, a number of times, I call them sappy do-gooders. Every doctor that I run, run into uh, wants to do good in the world. They want to save the world. They want to cure cancer. They want to treat each individual and, and try this, to do this be- the best they can. So I think uh, what the doctors thought would be if they could tell these stories and give people hope that there's something else uh, in this troubled world, that that would be a lot more valuable than the potential that they would have their reputations damaged because of telling these unusual stories. So I think that was their motivation to, to tell these stories to me. And uh, it, it turned out that 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 has happened, that people I, I'm, I'm getting letters all the time. Thank you for writing this book. I feel so much better. My mother just died. And now I know that I will see her again and things like that. So and the, and the doctors are getting the same kinds of comments. So it's been very rewarding. And I think um, it's turned out to be just the opposite of what the doctors expected. Well, it's such a rich thing you're bringing because, you know, in, in ancient traditions, the, the shaman or the medicine people were responsible for the spiritual aspect as well as the physical one. And they, they weren't doing their job unless they covered both. And yes, you're bringing it back. I'd, I like, I'd like to. And I think that there's, there's a lot of value to that. And I think it gives people comfort. And also, I think it helps with healing. I think there are many people that are healed by means other than just uh, traditional medicine. And you know that, too. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I've got some real interesting questions for you, but we're going to have to take another short pause. But on the other side, I really want to get into love and compassion and where that fits into this whole equation. Sure. All right. So we'll need to take this other quick break here, but Dr. Kolbaba and I will be back shortly. Don't leave us now. This is the Science of Magic, your resource to altruistic professionals of science and the esoteric, working to create common ground for the betterment of our world. Join our email family to receive our amazing topic-driven episode collections at thescienceofmagic.net. And if you'd like to connect with me, please email me at info at thescienceofmagic.net. Love to hear from my listeners.
Are you curious? Do you want to learn more about how the world works and have fun at the same time? Study coincidences with me, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, on my Connecting with Coincidence radio show here on the XZBN network. Listen to Jungians theorize, statisticians randomize, true believers evangelize, while I categorize. I dance to the rhythm of coincidences. People who experience me see more of them. Maybe something on the show matches a thought in your mind. Let us know. Expand your mind to the weirdness happening around you. Synchronicity spoken here, there, and everywhere. For more information, put Connecting with Coincidence in your search engine and find my website, my social media sites, and my blog. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. There's a legend shared by many indigenous cultures of a time when the nations were cast to the four corners of the world. Each nation was given a body of sacred knowledge that held a different portion of the truth to preserve. True reality could not be known until all the nations reunited, combining the information. If a single one was missing, the world could not be reborn and darkness would prevail. The Science of Magic Radio is dedicated to reuniting the sacred knowledge. With the understanding, none of us has all the answers, but together we can open new perceptions and possibilities. Through our combined vision, the world can be reborn into a place where darkness no longer prevails. Join me, Gwilda Wiecka, and the Science of Magic daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, or visit us at thescienceofmagic.net. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. What's up in your world? Email me at info at thescienceofmagic.net and suggest a topic or guest that's on your mind. You're probably not the only one that would enjoy listening. Again, our guest this hour is one of those people of service to the world, Dr. Scott Kobaba, author of Physicians Untold Stories. 
his website, physiciansuntoldstories.com. We were, you know, when I was getting my degree in psychology, there was a lot of emphasis on personal detachment. Uh, is it the same in med school, medical school? And if so, where do you stand on that? Uh, I think it is. Uh, but, you know, I think the good doctors that I know love their patients. You can be a little detached, but, uh, you know, I, I think that the best doctors are the ones that really care. Um, Tony Altamari, for example, who's actually the president of our medical staff now, about a thousand physicians, uh, is a good example of that. He, a um, uh, couple of things that he does that, that are interesting. He was telling me when he was a young boy, had surgery, and the surgeon that took care of him touched him and touched his foot. And that made so much difference to him. It was so comforting and, 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 and made him at great ease with the surgery. And he was saying every patient that he has, he will touch before the surgery, mm. especially their foot, and just hold their foot for, for a minute. And it sounds like a little strange thing to do, but it does provide unbelievable comfort. And I've had some of my patients say that he does this, and uh, it's comforted them a great deal. I had an experience with Tony, Dr. Altamari, uh, about a year ago, where he operated on one of my patients who was very sick. Uh, the patient had um, uh, septic gallbladder, and he, mm. we needed to do the surgery. The gallbladder was infected, causing the infection to spread throughout his body. Oh. And shortly after the surgery, uh, the individual had a cardiac arrest and died. Oh. And Tony felt absolutely terrible. And I remember seeing him a couple of days later in the, in the hallway of the hospital, and he had tears in his eyes. And he said to me, what happened? What happened to John? And I said, you know, I don't think it was anything that you did. I think he was, you know, he felt personally responsible for, for his right. death, even though he really wasn't. It was, the guy was so sick. Mm -hmm. And we had to take his gallbladder out. And, uh, uh, you know, to see him, uh, this, this hardened surgeon, and, you know, the surgical training is a very rigorous and tough training. People, the, the doctors are taught to be hard. They are taught to be... Um, you know, uh, uh, caring, but but also you have to keep your distance. And um, he is just a loving individual. And 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 he said, "I love this guy." I, you know, because he knew him from before. Mm -hmm. And he felt really bad and to see him actually literally cry over the death of one of our patients. Um, is is something that you see with with the good doctors, the good doctors that that really care, really do care. And yeah. uh, that day, I saw that. How can we balance professional detachment with the needs of our people? Because if we aren't a little detached, it'll take us out, right? <laughs> For sure. You know, there's no good answer to that. There's no right answer. You have to kind of stay in the middle. Uh, you have to love the people that you serve, but you also have to realize that they're mortal, that you're going to lose patients, that pa that, that things bad things are going to happen to your patients. So you have to have a little bit of a detachment. But I still think that there is a great deal of love in, in medicine, and, and the good doctors, the great doctors, are the ones that love the uh, patients that they serve. Mm. Did love and compassion, do you think, create the opening these physicians receive, to receive the esoteric information around their patients? Uh, I think so. I think I think. Um, uh, I think um, I think love has, has a lot to do with, with that. I think love is, I uh, discovered, one of the most powerful forces uh, in the universe. I had an interesting uh, uh, story from, from uh, one of my good friends who's an uh, obstetrician, who, whose friend, uh, Bob Cornell, had a stroke. Bob Cornell is a family practice doc. And Dr. Messett uh, used to meet with him on a regular basis in the morning at the, the physician's lounge, and they talk about fishing stories. So when Bob Cornell had a major stroke and was in the ICU, uh, Dr. Messett uh, was, was devastated and really didn't realize how close he had gotten to Dr. Cornell, how, how, how much love they really shared together. And so when he visited him in the ICU, he heard the ICU doc say that, uh, you know, he's essentially brain dead. He's not going to come around. We're going to give him two or three days. And after that, we're going to pull, pull the plug and let him die. And Dr. Messett, you know, you get that fe strange feeling in your, in, in your chest and you think that sick feeling like, oh, I'm losing my, my good friend here. And he didn't quite know what to do. There's nothing he really could have done. And so he moved his chair closer to, to Bob Cornell's uh, face, uh, which was as, as ghostly as, as death. And he started to whisper and he started to tell him stories. He told him a story about fishing. 
fishing in Canada uh, in the Mackenzie River and catching grayling, which are a fish that are common. And he told them about all the things that they did. They were casting and they, they got sore arms because they caught so many fish. It was a catch and release kind of a thing. And how they used a, a tiny little lure and all the things that, that um, uh, Bob Cornell would love to hear about being a great fisherman. And every day he went into the ICU and people thought he was crazy telling him stories about fishing. Even though this person was brain dead, uh, he was telling him stories of fishing. And every day he'd tell him a story and, and he loved him so much that he felt he had to do something. Well, after the third day, they were going to pull the plug. And when, when Dr. Messett got into the ICU, he noticed the room was empty. The light was out. The bed was stripped down. And he thought he was too late, that he had died already. And so he asked the nurse what time Bob Cornell had died. And the nurse kind of laughed at him, which made him a little upset. Mm -hmm. And she said, he didn't die. He woke up yesterday. We transferred him to the step-down unit. And um, when um, Dr. Messett caught up with him, uh, he said, uh, Dr. Messett, you know, John Messett, he said, John, thank you for telling me those stories. I heard everyone, and he, he related the, the story back to Dr. Messett about the Graylings and the Mackenzie River. He said, those are the best stories I've ever heard. And Dr. Messett thought to himself, you know, when a person is very sick and at the at the edge of life and, and trying to just, I, I think there's, there's, you hear about people crossing the stream or crossing into the garden or something. I think there's a time when people decide for themselves whether they stay or go. And Dr. Messett, I think, had the impression that may, just maybe these stories that he was telling this, this out of love to his friend uh, kept him interested and kept him going and, and kept him desiring to stay in this life. And, and Bob Cornell lived for a number of years afterwards and, and was a great fishing, fishing buddy. And uh, uh, I think John Messett literally saved his life by loving him and telling him those stories. That's amazing, isn't it? I mean, because we do. We can, we can dance at the gate, and ultimately it is a personal choice. We have various gates we can cross through. When we go is up to us. Don't you believe that? Uh, well, I think we, we can help determine when we go. I don't think we have total uh, control when we go, but I think there, there are times when we can decide if we're going to go or, or stay, and I think mm. this was one of those times. Mm. What do you think it is about love that connects people like that? I don't know exactly. I think love is a powerful force, and uh, I think it connects people in in this life. I think it connects people uh, uh, to the to the other life. Um, and I'm not sure what it is, but it is. I think I, I call it the most powerful force in the universe. Mm. Uh, there's just something about love that connects people. And um, oh, my family's had some strange experiences. My uh, my uncle one time was sitting in the in the living room. My parents were driving to the uh, hospital, and they got into an accident. And he jumped up from the couch and said, "Norman Glore uh, just had an accident," mm. and he had no no idea <laughs> why he did that. So. Uh, you know, love is a funny thing, but I think love is a powerful force. I'm not sure we can exactly define it and uh, and, and categorize it. It's your it amazing is. connector, isn't it? It is. Yeah. yeah. Do you think there'll come a time when we can openly study these things and get some scientific proof of the esoteric side of medicine? Oh, I think so. And I think people are doing that now. I, I think there have been some studies about people praying for people in the ICU, for example, and, and people that don't even know the person in the ICU uh, have been assigned to pray for one individual and the other individual no, no one prays for. And, and the one individual that they pray for seems to get better. So I think more and more studies are coming out like that. And I think it's great that, that that's beginning to happen. There are some things that I don't think we can we can categorize or study that extensively and things that like this love situation that that uh, I'm not sure anyone can can study. Uh, you can report it, which is what I tried to do, but uh, it's going to be hard to study quantitatively and qualitatively. Well, isn't that lovely, though, that there's still mystery left? Yes. <laughs> How do you think it'll change the face of medicine if we do get proof of, of reliable esoteric information? I think uh, I think doctors will rely more upon that little voice in the back of their head. I think there'll be more communication with patients and doctors about uh, spiritual things that um, uh, will help patients, I think, get uh, better and heal quicker. And um, so I think I think it'll be good for, for everyone. I don't think we can rely on those kinds of things for everything. I don't think, um, uh, you know, a prayer will heal everyone. 
But I think there are some funny things that happen in this world and funny things that happen in medicine. I think if we recognize them and talk about them, I think we can utilize those things and make people better, quicker, and heal people sometimes in amazing ways. So what's next for you? Are you going to write another book? You know, I'm doing a lot of speaking. Uh, I'm looking at another book. Uh, I'd like to do a book. I think nurses have lots of wonderful stories. So I'd like to do a book about uh, uh, nurses untold stories. And we're looking at uh, some opportunities in Hollywood also. So it's all kinds of things happening to to my busy little life here. So, (laughs) Well, Scott, we're... Unfortunately, we're about out of time, but I can't thank you enough for your amazing, amazing work in the world. Thanks, Gwilda. I'm, I'm glad you're doing the, the work also. Let's, let's work together. Absolutely, let's. Our guest this hour has been Dr. Scott Kolbaba, an internist in private practice and the author of Physicians Untold Stories. His website, physiciansuntoldstories.com. This has been the Science of Magic. Join our email family to be the first to receive our thought-provoking, topic-driven episode collections at thescienceofmagic.net. Until next time, dear ones, may you be blessed with knowledge and comforted with love as you tell the untold stories. Searching through-